Good to have you here today. This is our Sunday. We have the children in the service. Get to worship with mom and dad. And we try and do some things here in the service to interest you guys as well. The pastor's treasure box is in operation. So all you uh, ones that are usually over in children's church, fill out one of the outlines, either the outline that comes in the bulletin or one of the other outlines that we printed special for you. Turn that in and we will let you pick some things out of the pastor's treasure box. So that's going on here today. All right. If you're up on Facebook today, I put a question up there, and I didn't put this question up, and it's in your outline. I was going to. I don't know why I didn't. But here's a question for you to think on. We're going to get to this as we get to the end of the service. Can I ask God for healing and be in faith? The purpose of this series is to have faith in our prayers, right? And we spent some weeks on direction, and we could spend more weeks on direction. I'll tell you what, the Word of God is just filled with it. But we're moving on into some other areas, and we're looking at the topic of healing and asking God for for healing. So can I ask God for healing and be in faith? Now, I'm sure you're processing this and say, well, yeah, why couldn't I? Or, well, you're thinking about different things on this, this line. But how many times have we been sick, and what do we do when we get sick? We, we talk to God about it in prayer. God, how many of you have ever said something like this? I need to get to work today. God, I need to get to work today. And I am not feeling like I can get to work today, but I need to get to work today. How many of you have ever made a prayer like that? <laughs> We've, we've prayed things like this. You know, we've got something going on that uh, we want to get to. Maybe uh, you wanted to get to Thanksgiving and weren't feeling good. Something, wanted, something was going on and you weren't feeling good. And we come to God. So we ask this question. Can I ask God for healing and be in faith? Because if I am not in faith, nothing's going to happen in prayer, is it? So I have to be able to be in, in faith. So we're going to first off take on this, this thing and we're going to wait till we get to the end. Is it possible for me to be in faith and ask God for healing? So if you wouldn't turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. It has been a long time since I used this acronym. A very long time. But I pulled it out of the archives and we're using this acronym of CARES to help you remember the steps here that uh, Jairus went through. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, we've been on this chapter before, and we've looked at the woman with the issue of blood, and I do enjoy the woman with the issue of blood story. A lot to be learned from that, but we're going to skip over the woman with the issue of blood story today and make sure we focus in on Jairus because there's some things we need to understand about him. Before this, they had gone over to the other side. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. They went over to the other side. Great storm on the way. Disciples thought Jesus didn't care. Master, care you not? carest thou not that we perish? And so he came out, calmed the storm. They went over, healed the demoniac. Came on back over. When they come back over, this is what they are met with. Jarius meets them. Now, how important was it that God take care of the demoniac 
since we got Jairus over here and the woman with the issue of blood, that he has to come back over the sea to get back to. He could have just stayed there, right? And he'd be in the right place for what's going on. But he crossed over again by boat to the other side. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, verse 22, came Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Why does Jesus go with Jairus? Now, don't get all involved in all the doctrine and all the faith, things like that. It's simply this. Why did he go? Because he asked them. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He first off, he the first thing we did here is that Jairus came. He came to Jesus. It's the first thing. So the first thing we see in this whole process is that Jairus came to Jesus. Until he came to Jesus, he couldn't ask him anything. But he came to Jesus first off, and he comes to Jesus, and he asks him, he says, my little daughter, she's she's lying. She's, she's going to die. She's at the point of death. She's going to die. I need you to come along and help me in this. Now, let's take a look at Jairus here. Is there high hope in Jairus that Jesus would heal him, heal her? How many would say, would vote on, yeah, there's high hope? High hope. Hope is high. Uh, does Jairus have high expectation? Let's take a look at what he says again. My little daughter lies at the point of death. That's pretty bad. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Would that be pretty high expectations? I'd say he's got pretty high expectations. So there's, he comes here and he, he's got, a, he's got hope. He's got high expectation. Folks, he's got faith for this thing. So he's got, we're going to see three parts to what Jarius has here. Jarius has hope. He has faith. And he has expectation. If you were to meet somebody on the street and they had faith, they had hope, and they had expectation, how many of you would say, that's what you need? That's what you need. So we've identified right now, at this point in the story, Jarius has faith. He has hope and he has expectation. What does Jarius lack? He's missing something, right? What does he lack? He has come to Jesus. He has asked Jesus to come to his house to heal his daughter. He's got faith. He's got hope. He's got expectation. But he's lacking something. Why? Because he's asking Jesus. What's he lack? A healed daughter. I may seem overly simple, but look at it this way. He's got faith. He's got hope. He's got high expectation. And he still has a sick daughter. How many of you, the enemy has come upon you because you have a sickness or disease in your, in your family, in your life, and he comes and tells you, you don't have faith. You don't have hope. Or you don't have high expectation. And yet here we have in the Bible, in the story, Jarius has hope, he has faith, and he has expectation. 
In fact, he has high expectation. And yet, he still has a sick daughter. Isn't that interesting? How many of you have thought that maybe I'm lacking faith and that's why I'm still battling with this sickness or disease? Maybe I don't have hope. Maybe my expectation isn't right. But here in this story, we've got somebody who's got faith, hope, and high expectation and yet still does not have the answer he wants. Can you identify with this man? I would think most of us could. So he's got hope, he's got faith, An expectation. But there's still no change. So Jesus went with him. Now when Jesus, Jesus agrees to go with him, right? Does Jesus going with him change anything? Nope. We still got a sick daughter and she's still at the point of death. Nothing has changed. But now Jesus is going with him. So the first thing is he came. Here's the second one Jairus asked. I'm sure you can figure that one out. Except that's not exactly how the Word of God puts it. Let's go back to verse 22 again. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, fell at his feet, and what? All right. Now think back to when you were a kid, or think back to, if you are a kid, think back to yesterday maybe. Think back as a parent to when you're disciplining your kids, talking with your kids. Do you know that as a parent, do you know the difference between asking and begging? Yes, surely you do. Because if your kids start begging, what do you say? Knock it off! The difference between asking and begging is very simple. When you ask for it, here's the scenario. We get into the grocery line. In the grocery line, you know, now they have the little sign, no candy aisle. Glory to God. Where was that one? <laughs> no candy aisle because you get in there and they don't see the candy. Therefore, they don't beg and ask for the candy. All those words. So you get in the, uh, you get in the aisle and the, the child sees the gum. Sees the candy bar. And what do they do? Mommy, can I have some? And we say, No. You have sweets at home. You've already had too many sweets. We, we give the reasons for it. And then what does? Please, Mommy. Please, Mommy. Can I, can I, I'll be good. I'll be good. No. I already told you we have some at the house. But, Mommy, but, Mommy, I want it now. Can I have it now? Please, Mommy. Please, Mommy. I'll, I'll do anything you want when I get home. Please, Mommy. Please, Mommy. Are they asking? No, they're begging. I don't like the begging. I would, now, if the child came to you and they said, in your dreams, you were dreaming last night and this is what happened. You were at the grocery store, you were in the candy aisle, and you were going on through and the child said, Mommy, may I have one of these? And you say, no, we have some at home. Okay, thank you, Mommy. I told you you were dreaming. I did say that, right? You were dreaming. That's what happened in your dreams. That's what was going on. Because that doesn't happen that way, does it? When we say, no, we, we begin to ask, we begin to ask, we begin to ask. So, what we know about, by the Bible using this phrase here, is that he did not come and just ask. 
Because if he did, the Word of God would have said, and he came and asked Jesus if he would come. It says he begged him. That tells us one of two scenarios. Either one, Jesus didn't respond to him, or Jesus responded negatively. But please, Jesus. But please, Jesus. Jesus, it's me over here. I'm trying to get your attention. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need... Somehow, either he's not paying attention to him, gave him a negative answer, hasn't responded the way that he wanted, whatever it is, if you ask one time and get what you want, why would you keep asking? And if you ask one time, it's not begging. So we know from this that he didn't just come up to him and ask. Somehow, this resorted to begging. My thought is, and again, when we get to heaven, we'll see the video replay. My thought is that there was a lot of attention around Jesus and he was having a hard time getting his attention. That's my thought on it. I don't know that there was anything in the situation that Jesus would have given a negative answer for because it seems like he sees the faith that's involved. And the proclamation that he said is certainly a faith proclamation and faith gets Jesus' attention. My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. I want you to notice in here that in this very short request he has stated the problem, he has stated the plan and he has proclaimed the answer. pretty quick. Now I wrote another scripture in your outline for you. John chapter 16 verse 24. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So the word of God wants us to ask. Not necessarily beg. But he wants us to ask. Verse 35. We skip down. As I told you. We're going to skip by. The woman with the issue of blood. And he's having this conversation with the woman of, of the issue of blood. She's healed, telling all the things that are going on. And so while he's having that conversation, while he is still speaking, the Word of God says in verse 35, while he is still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, a lot can be learned from this. I want you to learn one thing from this. When you make a request of God, it is not trouble to Him. It might be trouble to other people. Other people might view it this way. But God does not view your request as troubling, troublesome, or bothersome in any way. In fact, we just read the scripture in John chapter 16 that He said, Ask. If He says, Ask. He wants you to ask. So they came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now we were watching the show. I like some of those. Uh, I, I heard this. You might enjoy this. I heard somebody was, uh, was exhorting us one time. And they were talking about it. It says different people, different ministers. Talk about ministers. Different ministers like to relax in different ways. He said, some ministers, uh, and John Maxwell, I think, was the one who was relaying this. 
you know John Maxwell. John Maxwell says, when I relax, I like to be around a lot of people. So if he wants he gets done a long series of uh, teaching and he wants to relax, he likes lots of people to come over to the house for barbecue and fellowship and talk with the other. other he mentioned, I don't know who it was, he mentioned another minister and the other minister said, when I relax, I like to, uh, when I relax, people need to die. Now, at first, that seems troubling. But what he was saying is he likes to get in front of the TV and watch one of those shows where somebody died and you're going to figure out who, who did it, like a, like a Matlock or um, <clears throat> uh, who's the other, uh, Monk. No. In, in order for him to relax, people need to die. <laughs> it's just funny the way you phrased it on, on all that. When, you know, I can relax. I like some of those shoot 'em up shows and some of those shows where they're investigating different things and, and stuff like that. But my absolute favorite all-time shows that come on the TV are shows like the new one that's out there. How many have ever seen Seals? Oh, yeah. Special forces. People whose job it is to take you out. <laughs> the bad guys, of course, not the good guys. I like to, I like to, to watch it. I can relax watching a show like that. My wife, not so much. Not so much for her. That's my way of, uh, I just like to sit them down and watch those SEAL guys go after them terrorists and take them out. Rescue the hostages or whatever it is that they're doing. That's kind of that's fun. But I'm noticing with some of those shows that when they have bad news to bring, they're troubled by it. They're troubled by the news that we had to say that so-and-so on the mission died. Or that... We were trying to rescue one of the hostages and, and one of them died. And they're troubled at having to bring that news. And so when they come to the house, they come to the people and they have to say, they're, they're troubled by it. And they're trying to, you know, we have some bad news. I'm sorry to have to say. But not these guys. Look how they bring the, the bad news to them. Their daughter's dead. Now, we don't know their inflection, but how many ways can you say, your daughter is dead and be soft and kind. How many ways can you do that? Not, I'm sorry, your daughter is dead. The word is, your daughter is dead. Now, they do this too while Jesus is still speaking. All this good stuff's going on here with the woman with the issue of blood. He's still talking about that. And they come up here. Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Leave him alone. That's not very nice, is it? Now imagine this. You have faith to believe that your daughter, who is sick, almost dead, that Jesus would come and lay hands on her and heal her. And she would rise up and not, not die. You have faith for that. And Jesus has come. I mean, it's all coming up. Coming to the plan here. Jesus went away, but then he came back. He came back. Jerry sees him. He's coming back. And he, he, he agrees. I'll, I'll come with you. And he's coming along. And Jerry has got to be, this is good. I got what we needed. And just as he's going along, your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. Now, if you got to hear that, I mean, that would hit you in the gut, wouldn't it? You can just kind of picture, even if you don't have a daughter, you can kind of picture, oh, man, that would be, 
That would be tough. Daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. What was Jesus doing when this was announced? While Jesus was still speaking. He's having a conversation. It's like Nikolai and I having a conversation. And we're ta- I'm telling him something. And I hear this over here. Your daughter's dead. And I immediately stop my conversation. Because it's while he was still speaking. I stop this conversation. To turn over here. And to say to Jarius. Do not be afraid. Only believe. See Jesus is tuned into things like this. Things that affect faith. Do not be afraid. Only believe. He commands them, do not be afraid. We've seen this command many times in the Word of God. Yet many, many times we go out there and we are afraid. Only believe. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. Now, Jairus had to receive that. And that's our next one. He had to receive it. See, God will speak some things to you, but you may not be ready to receive it. You may not want to receive it. There's a lot of times God has spoken things to us. And I don't want to receive it. I don't want to hear it. No, I want to go this way. I want to hear this. And so we shut down with it. Jarius was willing to hear it. Let's look at this one more time. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. He says this before Jairus can respond with any words out of his mouth, doesn't he? I don't know if he's fast enough to stop him from thinking anything, but it seems like he's, he has stopped him from speaking anything. What do you think God is more concerned about? The things that you think or the things that you say? Take you back to a story in the Old Testament. There was a uh, prophet who came out and said when they were going through a famine in the city. And he said, at this time tomorrow, a whole lot of flour is going to sell for a little bit of money. And the one guy vocalized, because this hasn't happened. They were under siege. There was no more food coming in. And they say, how is this going to happen? He said, even if God would open the windows of heaven, how could this be? And so the prophet said to him, well, you'll hear about it, but you'll not eat any of it. Now, I'll bet you other people were thinking that, but he's the one who said it. Be careful what you say. You may think it, get it out of your head, but be careful what you put voice to. Verse 35. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the the word that was spoken... He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So he is going in a direction. He's believing God, having faith for, having hope for. All these things are going on in his life. And then suddenly bad news comes. Now again, we tell you this all the time. When you read a story in the Bible, understand that you need to put yourself in that situation. What happens when you are believing God for a certain situation to go on and then all of a sudden bad news comes? 
We've told you this over and over again. I still hear this come out of people's mouths. So I'll keep saying it. I won't get tired of saying it. I'll keep on saying it until Jesus comes. And there's still people that will hear it. But when things get tough, you'll go back to the old way. And I'll tell it to you again. It's imperative. It's important. Because too often, folks, we are believing God for the wrong things. And here's one thing that I've, I've heard people, heard people in this church, not even going to try and candy coat and tell you people in churches in other countries. I'm talking about right here in this place. Or if we quote a famous movie, right here in River City. <laughs> we were just talking about that movie the other night. Right here. Will you pray for me? I'm going for a test. And I'm believing God that the test will be, and we lay it out how it is. There is nothing in the Word of God about good test results. There's nothing in the Word of God about it. You cannot find a verse of Scripture that says, you shall get an x-ray and the x-ray shall be negative. And it's not just because they didn't have x-rays or MRIs. God does not care what the report says. Just as when the ten spies came back and gave a bad report, they weren't supposed to believe the bad report. They were supposed to believe the good report. So it is not possible for you to pray when the twelve spies go into the land, let all twelve come back with a positive report. Because that's not how God works. I don't care if ten tests out of twelve come back negative. You believe what the Word of God says. Don't believe what the tests say. Don't believe what's going on. Doesn't mean you ignore it either. We'll get into it all. Into that here. So you get this this kind of stuff coming in, and that can be tough. That can be hard. If you're believing God, I am cancer free. I am symptom I'm, whatever it might be. You're believing I am free of that, and a report comes back and says, "Nope, it's there." That can throw you. That can throw you. That can bother you. Now, you got to, I guess you've got to be careful about this. I've thought about that. It says, dear God. I says, if I ever got a report that said I'm going to die next week, I think I would jump for joy. Be like, glory to God. Here we go. Because <laughs> I know where I'm going. I told him, so I'll stay down here as long as you want me to stay down here. But I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> and if I get to get out of here ahead of all y'all, It's okay. I'm content to wait until the Lord Jesus comes back. Content to wait for that. But glory to God. I don't know why people fear death. I've only got a glimpse of what heaven is like from the Word of God. Never been there. Never saw anything. Just a glimpse from the Word of God. I can't wait to get there. I'm excited. But anyway, we're down here on this earth. You get news and it troubles you. causes fear. What did Jesus say about the fear? Don't fear. Don't fear. Only believe. That's what he said. See, Jarius has to endure. Jarius endured what was said and continued in the area of believing. He can't believe for what he was believing for. 
what he was believing for was, come lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. Now she's dead. That's a different thing. How I many of you know it's one thing to pray for somebody who's sick? It's a whole other thing to pray for somebody who's dead. That's just elevates it in all kinds of levels in, in our eyes. Now, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. What does Jarius do in these verses? Any clues? We, we, have, we have no idea. I mean, anything that we're going to say that Jarius does, we have to infer. Because there's absolutely nothing in there about what he did. No, sir. Nothing. You see, if you were in a position where you were trying to believe God for something in the area of healing, and this is the reason I use this story, is because 99.5% positive that this story is about sickness and disease, not about injury. Sickness and disease. That's why we're, we're dealing with that one. And sickness and disease is about to take her. And apparently it did. But there's absolutely nothing in this verse about what Jarius does. Is Jarius successful in getting what he wants? So he's successful in receiving what he wants, even though problems came along the way, the whole thing changed, negative things happened, he still got what he wanted, which is what my little girl lives. He wants his little girl to live. Still got it, didn't he? How many of you would like to know what he did in order to get to that spot? Because if we knew what he did, we would copy it. We, do it. we know what the woman with the issue of blood did. I know what she did. The Word of God tells us what she did. Why does the Word of God not tell us what he did? <laughs> it's real simple, folks. I put this in your, in your outline for you. How to stay in faith. Because he came to Jesus, we already determined he was in faith. We determined what? He was in hope. And we determined that he had high expectation. How does he stay there after he gets the negative news? How does he stay in that spot? So here's the thing. How to stay in faith. Give you some steps here to do. First off, don't ask again. Do you hear anything in this story where Jairus asked Jesus anything else? Did he change his request? Well, well, Jesus, I wanted you to come and heal her. Can you come and raise her from the dead? He doesn't do it, does he? So here's one thing we can learn from Jairus. Don't ask again. In other words, when you're going through the aisle and you see the candy and you ask, Mama, can I have some? And she says, no. Don't ask again. You can learn this lesson every time you go through the grocery store and you see the cookies. The Oreo cookies, the chocolate chip cookies, the whatever kind of cookies are out there. And you see them and you say, Mom, can we have some? And Mom says, No. Don't ask again. If you want to stay in faith, don't ask again. And kids, moms and dads don't listen to this. This is just for the kids. Kids, I want to let you know something. Moms and dads aren't listening right now because I asked them not to. I want to let you know something. If you will ask one time for things, 
and not ask a second and third and fourth time, you will have a much higher success rate on the asking the one time. Much higher. I'm not saying that it will work for you the first time you try it. In fact, I, am, I can almost guarantee it will not. But if you will put this in the bank and say, I am going to ask for candy. When mom says no, I'm going to let it go. And do that. And then you just think about it and mom's going to say, he let it go. He didn't keep asking. He just stopped asking. Wow. And then maybe you do it a second time. And maybe you do it a third time. But then after a while, mom's a softie, folks. You just don't know it. She's a softie. And you're going to say, mom, can I have this? And she's going to say, you know what? I think you can. But it's going to take a couple of times. You've got to bank on it a couple of times. I'm just, all right, moms and dads, you can start listening again. All right, that's the thing. Don't ask again. First thing. If you ask God for something, don't ask again. That's it. Here's the second one. Don't deny. Don't sit around and deny what's going on. Jarius did not sit there and say, I am not going to accept that report. My daughter is not dead. My daughter is alive. He didn't do anything, any kind of denial. And when you were going through the candy aisle and you see the candy, you do not have to say, you are not there. I do not see you. You are dead to me. You don't have to do all that. Don't go around denying whatever is happening on. I don't have to go around and deny I do not have cancer. I do not have particular blood disease. I don't go around and deny it. I don't have to do it. Does Jesus go around she's not dead? Later on he does. He tells it to the other people but he doesn't say it to them. We'll talk about why he's dealing with these other people in just a little bit. Don't deny it. Here's the third one. Don't fret. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. If that thing, that bad report hits you, do not fret, worry, or have any anxiety about anything, is the Word of God would say. Don't worry or have any anxiety about anything. Put it out. Don't be afraid. It's a, Jesus said, don't be afraid. That part's up to you. Get it out. Get rid of fret, worry, anxiety, fear. Put it all out. I am not afraid. And just go on. So don't ask again. Don't deny. Don't fret. Here's the other one. Don't work for it. We're going to explain that here in just a little bit. Don't work for it. We really don't hear anything more about Jarius for a little while here. As the story goes on. I put this in your outline for you. It's more about what you don't do than what you do. Staying in faith is more about what you don't do than what you do. The enemy of faith, folks, wants to get you into works. That's what he wants to do. Satan wants to pull you out of faith and get you into works. Because if he can get you out of faith, you will lose. So, we brought a little prop up here. It is football season. It does not matter if it is football season or not. It is always a good time to play football. We live in a town 
that is football 12 months out of the year. But if we have a football, there are two things that are necessary in order to have a completed pass on the football field. Number one, somebody must throw it. And number two, somebody must catch it. The preferable thing is that the person catching it and the person throwing it have the same color uniform. <laughs> that's the preferred method. doesn't always occur that way. But that's what we generally want to have, have happen. We want to have that, that going on. Now, in the NFL, who is more important on a team? The quarterback or the receiver? Do you really have to think about this? I mean, is this a, is this, is this a hard question? There's nothing hard about this question at all. Who is generally the number one draft pick out of the entire college class? Who is generally the second? The quarterback again. I mean, when the year we got our Carson Wentz, first one was quarterback. Second one was quarterback. Generally, every single year, the number one pick is going to be the quarterback. Because of the two parts to that equation, the most important one is quarterback because you can plug anyone in at wide receiver now i know there's some receivers that are better than other receivers but a good quarterback makes for good wide receivers a bad quarterback makes for bad wide receivers so right now i'm going to play the part of the quarterback simply because they get paid more money and i'm going to sit back over here and first off I'm going to make a pass over to Mr. Victor back there in the back because he's further away than everybody else is. So, Mr. Brother Victor, would you stand up? Now, I'm going to throw him the ball. His job is catch the ball. Are you, are you ready? Ooh, I did not mean to hit you with that. I meant to hit that part back. I am not a good quarterback at all. Are you okay? <laughs> I'll throw it again. That's where I wanted to hit it. You didn't catch it. Are you okay? All right, good. You didn't catch it. How come you didn't catch it? Throw the ball back over here. Let's try it again. We're going to try and make this, this work a little bit better. All right. Are you ready to catch it this time? I don't know, I don't know what the problem is here. All right. We're going to try it one more time. You ready? Brother Victor, you need more faith. I think that's what the problem is. I think it's a faith problem. All right, now, now work on your faith. All right? Believe God that this is going to work. Maybe his, expect, maybe his expectation isn't right. Maybe we need to get a better... I want you to expect it to come back to you. All right? Are you ready? Is your faith ready? All right. Can I have it back again? Thank you. What's, what's, I don't understand what the holdup is here. We got your expectation going. We got your faith going. Maybe your hope is off. I don't know. Maybe the rest of us need to get our faith involved. Right? 
So maybe the rest of us get our faith involved. Maybe we can get that ball to get on back to... All right. I want you all to use your faith. All right. Everybody use your faith. Are you ready? He still didn't catch it. I, 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 don't, I, don't, know, I don't know what we're going to do here. All right. Now we've got everybody else's faith involved. We've got our expectation high. We've got our hope high. Why are we not having, why are we not having success? Thank you. We've got a bad quarterback. We're trying to work on stuff that has no bearing on the ball getting back to, to Brother Victor. Right? You see, most of the time, folks, that we are working on receiving something from God, I'm working on my faith, I'm working on my expectation, I'm working on my hope, or else we start to get other people. Will you pray with me and get me involved in this thing too? And the whole thing is, I'm trying to get the ball to get from the quarterback to the receiver. Because if I just merely get the ball back, he usually will catch that. He wasn't ready for it. <laughs> if I just throw the ball back to, to the receiver, he's got a shot at, at catching the ball, right? He's got a shot at, i got to get the ball back to him. Most of what we do as Christians is trying to get God to be a better quarterback. Isn't that right? We're trying to get God to be a better quarterback because obviously it hasn't quite gotten to us yet. I'm not healed, so maybe I need to get more people to pray. I'm not healed, so maybe I need to change my confession. I'm not healed, maybe I need to meditate on the Word some more. And here's what we have allowed the enemy to do, folks. We have allowed the enemy to pull us from a place of faith and receiving into a place of works. And I am trying to work hard so I can get the ball. Trying to work hard just so I can get the ball. What is Jarius doing? Nothing. Now, one thing will change in the next verse. And it changes on the heart, on the, on the side of Jarius. Verse thirty-seven. And he permitted no one to what? Follow who? He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. I thought Jarius was leading the way. How did Jesus suddenly become the guy who's leading the way? Told everybody else, y'all stay here. Y'all aren't, you aren't coming with me. Only these guys are following me. Jesus went from the place of following Jarius to a place where people are now following him. And Jarius submitted to it. And he went on, on his way. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So Jesus, Jarius was leading Jesus first. Now Jesus was leading Jarius and giving the instructions. 
before Jairus came in and said, this is what I need you to do, now Jesus is telling him what's going to happen. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now I read this story and I ask myself this question. Why mess with these people at all? Why mess with them? Now, if you don't know, we don't do this in our society. When we have a funeral, if you are weeping, you're doing it because you want to. But back in these societies, they hired people to cry. You had professional criers. Professional weepers. This is, you put your single out there. Um, weeper, whatever. You put it in there. Weepers are us. Put that right on out there. We, we are the weepers. You can just, you know, whatever you want your single to say, you put it on out there. And they would come to you and they would say, we want to hire you and your team to come and weep at our funeral. Very good. What time you need us there? Meet you there at 11 o'clock. We might do all that. But here they got them right away. They already have weepers in, in the place because she died. So that tells us that the people that Jarius left at home, though they had confidence that he'd be able to go and get Jesus and bring him into Jesus would heal her. Now that she's dead, we need to go in our own direction and take care of things our own way. And that is, we're going to have to bury her. We're going to have to do all these things. So let's go get the weepers. Let's go get all this stuff going on. They bring the people in. They weep. They're not really genuine about their weeping. They've been hired. You ever watch a show on TV? And somebody starts crying. And they're weeping on TV. I don't know how they do that on demand. That's why they get paid big bucks. Weep on demand. Just turn it on and they can, they can just go. They got people right here that are doing that. Child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, Jesus knows the difference between dead and sleeping. Remember with, with um, Lazarus? He's sleeping. I'm going to go wake him up. Well, if he sleeps, it's good. He's sick. Sleeping's good. He don't wake up on his own. You don't understand. He's dead. See, Jesus is making a proclamation. Sleeping, I'm going to go wake him up. I know he's dead, but he's sleeping because I'm going to go wake him up. He's proclaiming what is going to happen before it happens. See, there's a difference between denying what is real and proclaiming what is about to come. Too many Christians have never crossed into that area. We're always denying what is real instead of proclaiming what is to come. If you get to a place where you proclaim what is to come, you can simply say, look, he's dead. But I'm going to wake him up. I'm going there to, to raise him up. We have no problem with, look, the report came back and said the cancer's still there. We have no problem with that. I don't have to deny the report. Because I can proclaim something different. That's what Jesus does. He's not denying, he's proclaiming. And if you can get into that, Understand, I am going to proclaim what's going to happen. That's what, they, that's what they're doing. So, they had a big tumult, weeping loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Now, if you come in and a bunch of people are crying and are sad and you come in, Get out! That's probably not going to be received real well. 
But if you can turn them people that were weeping into people that are jeering, now we've got a reason to get rid of you. So when Jesus comes in and says, the child's not dead, he's just sleeping. He knows you people that are trying to put on the show and, and look like great weepers, we're going to turn it around right now. And they start saying, oh, you are ridiculous. What in the world are you, where did you come from? And once, once they turn and they start doing that, now he can put them out and no one's going to say anything about it. You know what? We don't need you in here. You all need to go. And now they're gone. So Jesus did that just to reveal who they were. That's why he's messing with them. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. Now, if you were Jesus, if you were in Jesus' place, not if you were Jesus, but if you were in Jesus' place, and you came up to a dead girl, and you were going to pray for this dead girl to be raised up, how many of you are having days of fasting? How many of you are putting on the worship CDs? We need to have a worship service. I need people to come in from other places and give me support because we are going to raise this girl to life. And how many of us want to get on some kind of a special kind of a voice when we come in here to do this? Because we're not just going to do this. We're not just going to say, uh, little girl, get up. That's, that's not the way we're going to do this. No. <laughs> no. <sighs> little girl! I'm here to pronounce life where once there was death. And we're going to go in there. We're going to have a big show, aren't we? What does Jesus do? Little girl, I say, arise. And that's it. See, folks, we have been pulled into works mentality even in the faith realm. Because I keep looking at all the things I have to do. I don't have my confession right. Oh, I need to get my confession right over here. Oh, I need to make sure that I'm meditating on the words. I didn't meditate on my scriptures this morning. I'm believing God for healing. I need to meditate on all the scriptures on healing every single day. And I didn't do it today. Oh, what am I going to do? And we get so locked into the works of things that very often we are better off doing nothing than doing all these other things. Now, remember what Jesus said to him? Jesus gave them two things to do. First off, do not be afraid. Secondly, only believe. That's it. So how are you going to overcome what it is that you're facing? Do not be afraid. Only believe. That's it. Not a whole lot of work in there, is there? He didn't go home and say, I want you to meditate over the promises in the book of Jeremiah or the Psalms. He didn't say any of that. He said, do not be afraid. Only believe. We haven't hit our question yet, have we? We're going to get there. Immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. Now, I've got three things down here for your application part. First off, hope is created by hearing the promises of the Word of God. The man came with hope, didn't he? None of this would have happened if he didn't have the hope that Jesus could change the situation around. So he had the hope. Hope is created by hearing the promises of the Word of God. We develop hope. So you want to keep hearing the Word of God because the more you hear the Word of God, the more hope is going to be built up on the inside of you. 
Don't be hearing what the other, other side's saying. Don't be hearing the bad reports. Don't be hearing all that other stuff. Hope is created by hearing the promises of the Word. Here's the next one. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises. James 2 and verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, we're not talking about working like we were talking about before. If you have faith, something will come of it. Jesus had faith, and what happened with it? People got healed, set free, delivered, raised up from the dead. Those are the works he's talking about. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises. Don't talk about how much faith you have or don't have. Demonstrate it. Here's the third one. Expectation, and I love this word, is generated by declaring how that promise will come to me. Expectation is generated by declaring how that promise will come to me. The woman with the issue of blood, what did she do? Declared how that was going to come to her. What did Jairus do? Declared how that healing was going to come to him. What should you do? Declare how that is coming to you. But first off, you've got to get faith from the Word of God for it. And we have a lot more to get into on that. We barely touched the surface on that one. And um, I wrote down a few things from what we have coming up here in the weeks to come, but saving some of it for later. So here's our question. Can I ask God for healing and be in faith? Now, this is not in your outline. It is only in mine. Ha, 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 ha. No, I just ran out of room on yours. I'm sorry. <laughs> just had no more room for it in, in there. Can I ask God for healing and be in faith? If we ask for what we have already been given, then we had to be in doubt about what God said in His Word. Right? If I ask for what I have already been given, then I'm not asking in faith. I'm asking in doubt. If we already exercise doubt on a matter, how can we move forward in faith without first dealing with the doubt we already fell into? If I already fell into doubt on the thing that I'm asking for, and that I'm asking for repeatedly, then I don't believe I've received it. And if I'm asking for something that I have already have, why am I asking? In fact, you actually get into the area of begging. Why did Jesus respond to Jairus when he says he was begging? Because despite his begging, God, Jesus could hear there was faith. There were other people who begged and he didn't pay any attention to them until they got to a place of faith. So we've got to first off deal with the doubt of why we were asking multiple times or ask for something that we already received. And once I deal with that doubt and get that behind me, why am I asking again? Because if I ask again, then I'm putting myself back in doubt and unbelief. So it goes this way. If God has already given us something, I don't need to ask Him for it. If God has not yet given it to me, then I need to ask Him for it. How many times do you ask God for something? One time. That's it. Don't be going over repeating there. Getting other people to ask. Isn't helping you out. One time. How does healing come to us for sickness and disease? Not talking about 
injuries, stuff like that, just talking about sickness and disease, how does healing come to us? By the work that Jesus did through the beating his body took. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So, if we are already declared to be healed by the work that Jesus did at the cross, is your sickness today before or after that work? Then for me to ask today to be healed of sickness and disease is to not believe that I received it from the past. Well, that might be, but I'm still sick. I'm still battling sickness and disease. That's all right. We're going to help you with that. We gave you a list of things not to do. If you would follow the list of things not to do, you'd be in better shape than if you follow any other list of all the things you should do. Because the more you focus on your list of having your right confession, and I'm not bad, I'm not, I don't, I'm not telling you this confession is a bad thing to have. I'm just saying if you keep focusing on, I got to have the right confession, you're just like Brother Victor back over there trying to use his faith to get me to throw the ball to him. Because his faith has absolutely nothing to do with my ability to get the ball to him. God has the ability to get that to you and already has. I just need to receive it. The reason that many people are not receiving victory over sicknesses and disease is that many times they have the wrong people praying. You know who needs to, needs to be uh, praying for you to be healed? Nobody. And I'll give you proof of it. It goes to the Word of God. How many people did Jesus pray for to get healed? Not a soul. Not a single one. Not one time. If Jesus didn't pray for people to get healed, why are we? Now, he spoke to the sickness and disease. Sickness and disease, you need to go. Now, death is a little different matter. But still, we saw how to deal with death. Get up. Now, we're in the, what the world would call flu season, cold season. How many have been thinking about that? Oh, man, colds and flus, here they come. First thing you've got to remember with colds and flus is authority because this is an authority issue. Who has authority over your body? I do. So I'm the one who's got to be speaking to it. Take authority over that thing. You know one of the biggest things that hinders people from getting, getting um, over? Uh, colds and flus and things like that along those lines? I keep being mindful of it. Every time I'm going, I'm, achoo, my throat's sore, my fever's high. All these things are going on. Keep, keep getting you mindful of it. Now, I'm going to give you two scenarios on this. You go with whatever one you want to. Brother Fred Price, how many know, do not know Brother Fred Price? Anybody ever heard, never heard of Brother Fred Price? Uh, preacher out in California. Um, he was retired. I think he came out of retirement. But uh, he was retired, just kind of traveling around to places. He... Uh, he taught us some wonderful lessons on faith. And one of the things he was teaching us when he was teaching us on faith, foolishness, and presumption was that he decided, I'm not going to go the way of medication, and I'm going to go the way of believing the Word of God. And so he started to believe the Word of God, and he said, I got a cold. A cold. 
How many of y'all know a cold will not kill you? You can still go about and do your own. He had the cold. Not a flu. He had a cold. And he said, I'm just believing God and I'm just nothing else. No medication. Nothing. And he said, this is his words. I had that cold for six weeks. Six weeks. How many have ever had a cold for six weeks? One cold. Not cold after cold after cold. One cold, six weeks. Six month and a half. A month and a half. That's 45 days or so. Imagine having a cold for 40... Your body naturally fights it off in a way. He said it was a spiritual battle and I was not about to back down. And he did not. He says, now, it don't take me six weeks to get healed anymore. (laughs) But that was a battle in the beginning because the enemy likes to take away that the seed of the word gets you to go in the wrong direction. So he believed God. Just, st- just stood there on his faith. Just kept on going. I don't know, he didn't tell us all the steps, all the things he did. He just, uh, he just held on to it. I mean, believe in God for a headache. Go away. Sometimes we get into this place where we get in condemnation. Well, if I take headache medication, I'm not in faith. I'm telling you this. There is no faith in throwing away medication. There's faith in the Word of God. And what you have to sometimes do is get your mind off of it. You can pop a aspirin or Tylenol or something like that and knock off that headache, but don't rely on the headache medication. I just I need to get free of this, thinking about this, and just get to the place where you are not fretting, not fearing, not all those things. Get yourself in that spot. I don't ignore sickness and disease when it tries to come my way. I don't give in to it. I don't, I don't ignore that it's there. But I just hang on to the Word. I don't, re- well, you know what? I'm just going to renew myself on the Word of God and just meditate on the Scriptures more. Well, then I'm working for it. Isn't that right? I'm working for it. It's not by works. I receive it. When I throw that ball back to Brother Victor... He just needs to what? He just needs to catch it. Just needs to receive it. That's it. Got to be in the right position. You know, if the quarterback says, go out, turn left, then turn right, and I turn right, turn, then turn left, I'm going to be in the wrong place. I got to have faith that what the quarterback said, he will do. So when God says, do this, and I do it, I just have faith that it works. Just relax. Well, I got to have my confession. I have my confession. Father God, I thank you that I am healed of this cold. I am healed. And we go around, we have the right confession. Most times, if, if sickness and disease is trying to get a hold of me, I don't spend a whole lot of time on a confession. I speak to the thing. Sickness and disease, you've got to get out of this body. You have no place in this body. If you've got children, parents are the ones who need to speak to that. Not anyone else. They're the ones who have authority over that. In this story, Jairus is going for who? His 12-year-old daughter. Who is Jesus working through? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. You guys have a role in that. No one else has that role. You guys have that role. That's an authority role. Once you get to a certain age, now you've got that role yourself. You've got to take that authority. You've got to take that place. Be in that place to take that authority. But here's the thing. Let's go over it again. Don't 
ask again. If you received it, if the Word of God said it's already yours, if you already asked one time, don't ask again. Just think about that candy aisle. How much do you like it when the little kids are saying, Mommy, Mommy. You don't like it. So why do we put God in that position? Don't ask again. One time. Don't fret. Don't be in fear. Don't have worry. None of those things. You don't have to deny in order to be in faith. I don't have to deny that this is going on. The doctor comes to you and says, well, this is, this, this is what you face. I rebuke that confession. I do not receive that into my life. You don't have to do that. Doctor, I appreciate you running a test. appreciate you doing all that and giving me your advice. Um, thank you very much. And I'm going to walk out the door. And then do what God tells you to do. He'll help you. He will get you ready. All right. I told you I got a couple of things in here that's coming up in the, in the things in the, in the future. You might want to write these down. Don't worry about it. I will write it down for you in some of the future outlines. But here's two things I want you to get. Without understanding, and we're talking about understanding with the Word of God. Without understanding, true faith cannot come. If you have a wrong understanding of the Word of God, if you have not been taught what the Word of God says, if you've been taught doubt and unbelief about the Word, not taught what the faith and the Word of God is, you've been taught something wrong, without understanding, true faith cannot come. That's why the Word of God is always telling you, you know, press in, get the understanding. What's Brother Kreffler Dollar say? In all you're getting... Get understanding. Those are good words. Those are good. You need to have understanding, folks. Oh, my. Get it. Without understanding, true faith cannot come. Here's the second one. With revelation, great faith is discovered. Without understanding, true faith cannot come. With revelation, great faith is discovered. Now, here's how you get that. As you take the Word of God, this is where the meditation of it, it comes in. You meditate on what the Word of God has to say about healing. You meditate what the Word of God says about the promises. You keep meditating over it. You just keep meditating and meditating and meditating and meditating. And remember what um, Brother Doug Jones said about uh, meditation. He, uh, he uh, related to worry. Worry is corrupted meditation. So he put it this way, worry the Word. And I love that phrase, worry the Word. Just keep going over the Word of God. Go over it and over it, and all of a sudden, revelation will come. When revelation comes, great faith will be discovered. With revelation, great faith is discovered. I didn't know I could have faith for that. Now I understand what I'm supposed to have. Because you're, you're waiting on the revelation. You're waiting on the understanding. And with that, oh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's good. I'm going to give you one more example here. This is, for most of your adults, I'm going to completely lose you on this. And I'm going to talk about something that I have absolutely no understanding of at all. Nor do I want it. How many of you kids here like to play video games? How many of you play video games? Where's Tommy's hand? All right. 
How many of you play video games that have levels? Level one, two, three, four, five. You've got to move up on those, those levels. And some of those levels, you hit it and it's hard to get past. How many have hit a level that was hard to get past? And then what happens? What happens? You get hold of some friends and I'm at level 25. Oh, I'm at level 30. How did you get... And you describe the situation at level 25 that is keeping you from moving on to level 26. And you describe that situation. How did you get past this particular thing? How did you get past that? And they begin to describe to you and to tell you things that I cannot, me personally, I cannot understand. You know why I can't understand it? Because I don't have level 25 understanding. In order for you to understand what somebody is talking about who's at level 26, 27, 28, or 29, you have to have level 25 understanding. When you have level 25 understanding, when someone speaks who's at a level 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, when they speak to you, you can hear, oh, yeah, I, I remember being, okay, when I'm there, uh-huh, yeah, and when you see that, you, did you see that little purple thing? Yeah, I saw that, uh-huh, all right, we're supposed to go over there and take this and, oh, now you're talking about, I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't have level one understanding, let alone level 25. But you see, the more I meditate on a thing, the greater understanding I can get. There is understanding of the Word of God that you are not capable of hearing or seeing at this place in your life. You're just not capable of it. Just like a video game, I can't progress to level 30 until I hit all the other levels and until I understand how to overcome the obstacles that are in my way. Have you ever hit a level in a video game that it seemed like it's not possible to get past? Yeah. You can't get past this. This is not possible. I can't get by this one. And then all of a sudden... You found out how to do it, and you got by it. You are hitting obstacles in your Christian life, and it seems like there's no way to get past it. But you see, there is. Because in your walk right now, you are at a greater level of understanding than you were before. And God can speak some things to you, because with great revelation, greater faith can be discovered. But he will progress you through it. He'll get you ready for it. We have much more to do on this, this whole thing in the area of asking and believing and stepping into and receiving healing in your body in this area of prayer. But if you spend any time on Facebook, how many have seen people put up on Facebook, pray for me, and they list their sickness and disease? Pray for me. The more people praying on this, the better doesn't help you to have more people praying if you understand what the Word of God says about these things. It doesn't make any sense to pray for what God has already given. Let's go over it again. What are you going to do when you face these things? Don't ask again. Don't deny. Don't fret, worry, have any fear, anxiety. Leave all that stuff out. You don't need to have those things in your life. Keep them out. What's the last one? Don't work for it. Don't work for it. Don't look for what I have to do to earn this, to work for it, to get myself there. The work has already been done. 
through Jesus Christ. You see, if I get that connection with Brother Victor back there, the work is on my side to get the ball to him. All he has to do is receive it. The Christians were not working on the receiving part. We're trying to believe and get the throwing and going better. But you're not the quarterback. You're not the one who has sent the promises, the gifts, and the blessings. You're the one who receives them. Stop trying to be the quarterback and be the receiver. Life will be a whole lot better for you. Would you all stand up with me? Every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, I've been believing God for something that I think I've already received. I've already, God's already provided it for me. It's not embarrassing. I've believed God for many things that I found out. Oh, man, I already received that. It's already mine. I want you to understand that it's already yours. It's already yours. Every head bowed, not looking around. If you're here today and you say, I've been in one of those, I've been asking God for things that, well, I've already, I think I've already received it. I've been asking and asking and asking. I've been asking repeatedly. Whatever it might be, you found that you've been doing some things in the area of asking that you really shouldn't have been doing. But the revelation comes to you now. Would you raise your hand up? I see. I need to keep that out. Father God, you see the people who raise their hands on these. But we can change where we go here in the future. We don't have to stay in this way. I thank you, Father, for the help you give us. You love us. You care greatly about us. And when we ask, you desire to fulfill those needs. We want to have that faith in you that believes beyond anything. And when opposition comes, we have the stamina to endure because our faith is not in good reports. Our faith is not in how we feel. Our faith is in the Word of God. And regardless of how any of these things play out the rest of today or tomorrow, or the day after that, I have faith that endures. I give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I really feel like we only touched the surface of this. There's probably still a lot of questions going on in your mind, and we'll get to the place where we can answer them here when we pick this up again next week. Appreciate you all coming on out. I know I went a little bit long here this morning. Appreciate you hanging out here with, the, with us. Um, I didn't see any praise reports up here at the front. Uh, Bobby apparently did something and is to hurt his back or his back is hurting. Not sure what's going on with that, but minister to uh, call him up, encourage him. Sometimes it's good just to call somebody up and encourage their in the, them in their walk and their faith. What's going on with, with that? Wednesday night, we're going to be back in here, folks, for the service. Uh, the Wednesday night service, we're picking up Hebrews chapter 4. We'll put it up on Facebook, the, the topic of, of what's going on 
going on with uh, Hebrews chapter 4. And anything else coming up that I do? What's that? Oh, yeah. I was meant uh, mostly this, this week. December the 9th, we have game night. That's going to be at 630. Next Sunday, folks, we have a covered dish dinner. If you've never been out for a covered dish dinner,